0: Hey everyone, it's uh, Sam Shaw from Wall Street Mastermind. I'm back here today with another client interview for you guys. Today I have Andy with me um, and I wanted to get Andy on here to uh, just talk about his recruiting experience with you guys um, because uh, he's just finished going through the summer 2021 recruiting process um, and ended up getting a very successful outcome. And so um, I figured you guys could benefit from uh, just learning from his uh, his experience as well so Andy thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us yeah no problem awesome so um maybe to start if you could just kind of tell people a little bit about you and what your background is and um, just so people kind of level set on like what type of candidate you are.
1: sure so I guess coming into the process I had a little bit of finance background just from some clubs I was an economics major, so I guess I kind of knew that I wanted to do investment banking starting around midway through my first year, and yeah, I'd say I was pretty motivated to get the job from that point onwards, but I definitely needed a couple extra resources to push along. Got it. And do you
0: go to like a target school, non-target school?
1: Yeah, I'd say my school is like a semi-target, like pretty good, not like like a hips, but... Like, right below that level.
0: Okay. All right. So semi-target school, found out halfway through freshman year. And then um, was your GPA, like, what would you say? Like, average, above average, below average? Yeah, I'd say I had an
1: above average GPA.
0: Okay. But cool. So I guess um, when you first started recruiting, so you said it was, what, halfway through freshman year, they started thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. What, so what, what was your situation back then in our life? How was your recruiting going for you?
1: Yeah, so I guess like halfway through freshman year, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I hadn't done anything like networking at that point. Um, it was really exploratory, just kind of looking at what was out there. And at that point, I hadn't prepared at all. I think I probably started networking and preparing a little bit early on in my second year.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So you start, you, you start thinking about a freshman year, but you didn't really start preparing until the beginning of your, of your sophomore year.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And so like, how was that process for you? Like when you were going through the preparation process on your own, like what were some of the things that you were doing?
1: Yeah, so I guess for just doing it on my own, the thing that I kind of focused on first is just trying to get some technical help. So just kind of understanding basic finance concepts, trying to look things up online. I used things like the MI 400 to read through, and this was kind of before I'd taken any accounting classes or anything like that, so it was definitely a little bit rough at the start.
0: Got it. Okay. So you use the MI 400 question guide to start, which is kind of like what a lot of people use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so what were, when you said it was kind of rough at the start, like, what, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, what was rough about it?
1: Yeah, I guess like without having any sort of finance background, it was more... I think a big problem was even if I could kind of understand the concepts, there's like, it seemed like there's a very specific way that you're supposed to answer questions and there are very specific ways you're supposed to like keep things in and not, I guess try to understand how those concepts work. Mm-hmm. And I definitely knew that I wasn't kind of hitting on all those the like things when I'd watch videos, for example, and people answering these questions, my answers would always be kind of different. It mm-hmm. didn't seem like I knew what the important parts of some of the questions were when they got a bit more complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. And you mentioned you were also in some finance clubs at the time, right?
1: Yeah, I was in a couple finance clubs. Also, like, yeah, I mean, my school had some finance clubs that I had worked in, like various ones, like impact investing. I did one that had a little bit to do with private equity and like a general business fraternity.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, did those organize? Because a lot of people, you know, they join those clubs uh, and hope that, um, you know, that would be enough to help them get in banking. Like, did you, did you guys have any sort of training or workshops and stuff that you did in those clubs? And like, or did you get any resources or help from, from those organizations or?
1: Yeah, I definitely did. I think the thing for me is I didn't join any clubs or specific about investment banking. I joined a lot of clubs that had to do with different kinds of investing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that gave me a good background and definitely made it easier to learn concepts. But I mean, there are things that you would never learn in those clubs, like merger models. You wouldn't really go too deep into accounting, things like that.
0: Mm, got it. Okay. Understood. Um, so, okay. Technicals, you're trying to learn on your own, but you felt like, you know, wasn't really quite enough to get you to where you need to be at. Um, in terms of networking, like, how are you going about the networking process?
1: Yeah, I think I honestly was a pretty late start to networking. I didn't really start networking until after I joined the program. So Mm. I guess like I didn't even realize that it was happening that early.
0: Oh, you didn't start networking until after you joined the Wall Street Mastermind program.
1: Yeah, so I think I joined like a couple months into my second year. So before that, I hadn't really networked at all. Yeah,
0: I think you join at the end of November um, is, is what I have. So... Yeah, I guess that's probably yeah two or three months into your sophomore year, right? Almost halfway through your sophomore year. Yeah. Um, so did you just not network? You just hadn't networked up to that point because you kind of didn't realize that that was such an important part of recruiting, or you you knew you needed to do it, but you just didn't know how to do it, or what was the situation?
1: Yeah, I think I'd I had i i had been talking to friends and things like that, and I knew it was an important part of recruiting. I just thought that you know I didn't realize that had to be so early. I thought recruiting would be kind of in the summer mostly and then I have more time to do it later. I didn't realize that it would get pushed up this year and it's so important to get the early start.
0: Got it. Okay. But once you join the program, you started doing it, um, and then you obviously started learning more of the technicals. Um, the other big piece for people typically is um that they need to learn is kind of the behavioral interviews. So what 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 was your what were what shape were your behavioral answers in i guess before the program
1: yeah i actually think behaviorals were the most important part of the program for me personally Mm. um just because you can kind of get help with technicals and things like clubs but i think with the behaviorals i had a good story i had some relevant experience but i wasn't really sure you know what do bankers really want to hear in my answers what do i really need to highlight and how do i kind of convey my story so i think i had the stories i just wasn't talking about the right points in them
0: Okay, so you had all the content, but you know how to package it and put it all together, basically. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, so then you came in, I guess, end of November. So that was like half of your sophomore year. And then we started working together. Um, what were the things that, you know, you were doing in the program? Like, or I guess, like, if we go in order, like... What kind of stuff did we work on with
1: you? Um, I think really early on, the main thing is networking since I had to kind of hop on that. So just kind of having the plan for that. And then I think what was really helpful for me was just kind of getting through like the scripts, like understanding you know, how do you go through the networking process? Like what, what should your email look like? When do you follow up? I think everything like that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And since you kind of get it all at once, you can start right away. So mm-hmm. I basically started networking like right as i joined which is helpful Mm -hmm. and would you say like
0: i mean obviously the whole point of networking is to like get interviews right um to get referrals for the interviews so like how, how successful would you say you were in in getting these interviews like did you did you have a lot of interviews during this process or
1: yeah i'd say i had a yeah i had quite a few interviews during this process with most of the major banks i think um I reached super day level for quite a few firms. I just was not able to convert until later on in the process. Mm,
0: okay. So you, interview, you got interviews with, when you say most of the major banks, you're talking about like bulge bracket and elite boutique banks?
1: Yeah, I at least got like a screening at the very least with a lot of them that I was targeting. I think, yeah, so I'd say like most of the banks that I was interested in, I was able to get an interview with them. Outside of Evercore, okay. for the ones that start at
0: Okay, got it. Yeah, Evercore's a tough one. <laughs> um, but, okay, but that's pretty good. I mean, outside of Evercore, you got interviews with most of the banks you're targeting. And if you have to bar par- ballpark, like, roughly how many banks that is, what would you say? So, like, more than a dozen banks, probably?
1: Um. I wouldn't say more than a dozen banks. I think including... Because I was also targeting a few buy-side opportunities, but I'd mm-hmm. say, yeah, close to close to a dozen total, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of them hadn't started before I got my next offer, so that kind of stopped recruiting close.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, and you say you made it to multiple super days. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you feel like is kind of like the biggest difference between... First round in Super Days? Because, I mean, obviously, Super Days are harder, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, in what way? Do you, like, for people that haven't ever made it that far, what would you, how would you describe it?
1: Yeah, my experience with Super Days has been very behavioral. Um, I think, typically, what I'd see is there'd be one, one interview that was like fairly technical, and then everything else was completely behavioral. Mm-hmm. And the technical one really just seemed like a checkpoint, kind of. Like, you get the technicals, it's just it's a check off. That doesn't mean you get the offer at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... I think having a good story really is the most important thing at that level. Being good at the technicals doesn't, doesn't take you very far.
0: Mm, Got it. Okay. Um, And that's good. That's, that's good for people to hear because I think going into I don't know if this was the case for you, but going to recruiting, I feel like a lot of people kind of have this perception for whatever reason that the technical interview is a much more important aspect, right? I don't know if you had that kind of, uh, misconception but we talk to a lot of students that they're so they're so stressed out about the technicals and they spend all their time memorizing the mI 400 guide or whatever it may be and then they spend very very little time actually polishing up their stories right um, what wh- why do you think why do you think that is or do you, do you feel like that's kind of the case with a lot of people that you know too
1: yeah I think like coming into it, at least I think a lot of people know that the bulge brackets would be very behavioral or like fairly behavioral, but people don't expect that of elite boutiques. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I had a super day with, I guess not an elite boutique, but um, definitely a boutique bank. That's a pretty strong one. But I remember there's like, t- there is some technique. There's definitely a much stronger technical focus. But when I got to the super day, there's a single technical interview. Um, I knew for a fact that I got more answers right on that technical interview than the applicants ultimately got the offer. And yeah. I think that's when I realized, you know, the technicals aren't really what pushes you through. It's definitely more behavioral.
0: Oh, interesting. Because you guys compare notes afterwards or something and they told you they got it wrong?
1: Yeah, we talked about some of the questions after.
0: Mm, got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty eye-opening probably for a lot of the listeners. It's like, I always tell people if you nail the behaviorals, but you mess up on one or two technicals, you might still get the job, but, um, because they can teach you the technicals, right. But if you nail the technicals and you mess up on, uh, some of the behaviorals, you know, th- that's probably not something that they want to deal with because they're not really going to, they don't really think they're going to like change who you are as a person. Right. And so that's kind of the harder part for them to train. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, Okay. So you started networking. That was like the first thing you worked on in the program and you got interviews from, you know, most of the places that you were targeting aside from maybe Evercore. And then in terms of the interview prep process itself, um, what, what did you find to be the most
1: helpful there? Yeah, I think for me personally, I found the behaviorals to be most pop- like helpful, like actually having someone look at my answers that I've written up for like behaviorals and kind of being able to walk through some of the common ones and what you really need to focus on. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful. I think kind of, once you have that structure, even if the question is slightly different, you have a really good understanding of how to answer it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely what helped me most.
0: Got it. Okay. So basically the biggest thing, so it's not even about, Hey, like, I mean, yes, we do look at all your answers and tell you, especially the really common ones that we know you're going to get. And then, kind of like help you polish up your answers, but it's not like we, it's it's not possible to prepare for every single possible question you could get. And and really what it comes down to is um, teaching you the frameworks of how to think about these behavioral questions so that you can organize your thoughts on the fly during the interview and be able to structure an answer in, in a logical and coherent way. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I think like what I kind of got to understand is there are certain kind of almost topic or characteristics that bankers are really looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I really need to just kind of highlight those specific characteristics through my answers throughout mm-hmm. the interview. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. Okay. Interesting. Um, so behavioral is mo- most helpful to you. Then on the technical side, um, was there anything different about how you learned technicals through our program versus how you were doing it previously?
1: Yeah, I think kind of previously it was just like reading, like everything. I think having someone explain it to you definitely helps. And I guess like the more important thing is it gives you a solid foundation quickly. I do think like maybe if I spent like a lot of time reading, I could have developed a foundation too, but it's much faster to have the explanations right there. So you're not kind of spinning your wheels trying to understand why everything works the way it does.
0: So basically it's more like a, uh, unlike behaviorals where maybe it's not necessarily a function of just spending more time because even if you spend more time on a behavioral answers, you might, you might still not know how to improve your answers on the technicals. You might've been able to get there if you just spent enough time, but then it comes down to like, how efficient do you want to be in the, in the recruiting preparation process basically.
1: Yeah. And I think when you're preparing for technicals, it's really important to spend a lot of time on some of like the more complicated topics things that like for example some of my interviews that have like deep dives into like random stuff like net operating losses so mm-hmm. if you are spending time prepping on technicals you want to get into fundamentals as fast as possible so what you're prepping is really like kind of random deep dives on topics that might come up
0: mm, got
1: it especially probably with since you
0: were interviewing with some of these elite boutiques for example those tend to be a lot more technical
1: right Yeah, I think the first rounds you can kind of get kicked out immediately if you mess up on this, like a single technical, in my experience. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Um, Okay. So then let's talk about kind of like the the outcomes of kind of like your recruiting process. So, I mean, your situation was interesting because you actually, I mean, so everybody knows, like, with recruiting, you kind of can't control like when you get an offer versus like, you know, relative to whatever other processes you have going on. Right. And the one thing that's really, really annoying about recruiting for banking or buy side or just, you know, finance in general is that sometimes you get these exploding offers. Right. So you yourself have one of those uh, as well as you were going through the, uh, through the process. Right. Except um, I think what actually at the time what you chose to do kind of surprised me, but, um, because not a lot of people had the balls to do it, but can you just like kind of talk a little bit about kind of what happened and what your thought process was with that?
1: Yeah, I think. So basically what happened is I had an offer from a middle market PE firm, think AUM between like seven and 10 billion. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was exploding within a week. So I really had to figure out what I wanted to do. I think my thought process was really, I was, Fine with recruiting for the buy side. I was somewhat interested, but I didn't want to kind of pigeonhole my, myself into a middle market PE and not be able to get out of that if I didn't want to continue doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's kind of why I thought, you know, I really wanted to try to do banking. And at this time, my top choices, which were bulge bracket blanks like Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, hadn't even started recruiting. So I knew that I would definitely regret it if I kind of didn't take a shot with this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like I said, um, I thought that was, first of all, you have to have a certain level of confidence to do that. Right. Because I, I meet a lot of students, whether it's other clients or people that are not my clients, um, who get offers and then they kind of take the first offer they get because obviously that's like the safe thing to do, right? Cause you're never promised another offer, right? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, and a lot of people like, I thought it was interesting because you said, Hey, I would definitely regret it if I didn't recruit for my top firms. Some people, they say, I would definitely recruit. uh, I would definitely regret it if I um, turned down this offer and I don't get another one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, like, how long did you struggle with that decision or was it a pretty easy decision for you to just turn it down and keep recruiting? Cause I remember we had like a quick brief conversation about it, but I don't think I gave you too much input. I think you kind of already sort of knew what you wanted to do, right?
1: Uh, I think in the first couple of days of having the offer is a little harder of a decision, but mm-hmm. I had talked to some people at my school and I actually talked to a guy who worked at a mega fund private equity firm mm-hmm. and he kind of walked through how it's really hard to go from a middle market fund to like a mega fund or something like that rather than go from banking. And I think like what I ultimately just decided is like I felt pretty confident in myself as a candidate that I had a good shot at these firms. Mm-hmm. And I felt like over my course of doing more and more interviews, I was improving each time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by the end, I thought I'd be able to do pretty well. And yeah. I guess that's how I decided.
0: Got, got it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, and the, the person that you talked to, I mean, I think he's absolutely right. Like, especially when you get to, I mean, somewhat the case in PE too, but uh, definitely when you get to the buy side, if you're trying to move upstream and by upstream, we mean like, you know, move from a mid-sized firm to a larger firm, you know, or just like moving up in terms of AUM in general, it's pretty rare. Or it's like, it's like very, very hard to do. People typically move laterally or they move downstream as they become more and more senior. Right. So I definitely think that, um, obviously hindsight is always twenty twenty, but, you know, ending up where you ended up now, um, is definitely going to give you a lot more options and, flexibility in the future which is great um so ultimately you kept recruiting um and how much longer did it take you for you to get an offer after that
1: yeah i think this year there's a bit of a lull in recruiting kind of in Mm -hmm. i'd say like june and july so yeah it took like i think over a month for me to get the next offer i Uh just honestly wasn't really interviewing too much during that time but on the bright side that also gave me a lot of time to really prepare and yeah. polish all the answers.
0: Yeah. I mean, 2020 has definitely been a weird year with COVID and everything. And, um, I think a lot of firms are trying to figure out like how to adapt to the whole situation and recruiting remotely and things like that. Um, so, okay. So then it took you another month to get the offer. And so ultimately I guess let's just tell people, but, um, what firm did you end up getting an offer from?
1: Yeah. I ended up getting an offer at Goldman Sachs. Okay.
0: Not bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's that's great, obviously, um, and that was one of your top choices, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that was like my absolute top choice, so I was very happy with it.
0: Nice, awesome. Yeah, that's um, obviously an amazing firm. Everybody would love to work at Goldman Sachs, and so um, so huge congrats on that. Obviously, I guess um, if I were to, if we were to ask you, you know, to kind of like sum everything up and give everybody like if you if, if if someone asks you someone who let's say there's someone like a year or two younger than you and maybe they're just starting to think about recruiting now what is something that you know you wish you had known back when you first started that you do now um but you know would have helped you a lot had you just kind of figured it out earlier do you have any advice like that for people
1: yeah i'd say in my experience i think what I wish I knew is the most important thing in any of your interviews is going to be your story. So just having a very clear reason why you want to do banking, that makes a lot of sense and making and being able to connect every experience you have on your resume to banking in some way is definitely the most important thing. I think that's what I was missing kind of early on in the process. And I kind of built up over time and realized how important that was. Mm. Your technical answers aren't going to get you an offer. Your story will.
0: Mm. Got it. And so it's like being able to connect every sort just just to be even more clear for people. You're saying like, when you're explaining, for example, if they say like, walk me through your resume or tell me about yourself, instead of just having it being kind of disjointed and talking about, oh, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and you're just like reading off your resume to them. It's about having that connective tissue or like having that narrative that, is logical and kind of flows through everything and ties everything together so they can see the progression of why you've done the things you've done. Is that kind of what you're referring to?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think what really made it set me apart from other candidates and some other people that I knew that got offers from other candidates was those stories are like, I did this. This is what I liked about it. This is why I did the next thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, every single part flows together.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's super helpful advice. So. Um, thanks for sharing that. Um, cool. So I think, um, look guys, you know, Andy's Andy's, a, a great example of, you know, what you can really accomplish, um, in a short amount of time. Um, if you have the right systems and the right processes, right. And like, cause I mean, again, from the time he was in the program until he got his first offer it was probably what, like, four, four months, four or five months, maybe, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And then maybe another month after that before you ultimately got the Goldman offer. Um, And I think the biggest thing is, like, even though, like he said, he probably could have figured out some of this stuff on his own, especially like maybe on the technical side of things. um, It would have just taken him a lot more time, right? And with how accelerated the recruiting timeline is nowadays, if you don't of like prepare yourself in time then you won't be ready by the time the interviews roll around and you might get a different outcome right and i think even the bigger takeaway for him is just you know you notice how andy keeps emphasizing the importance of having a great story right and so a lot of the times with the story it's hard for you to figure out kind of like just exactly what your story should be because when you try to come up with your own stories um, there might be some blind spots or mistakes or that you're making or not even mistakes, but just like improvements that you could have made, but you don't realize that you can make those improvements because you know, you're the, you're the original author of your story. Right. And so it's good to get kind of like a second set of eyes, someone who's really not just any second set of eyes, but someone who's really, really experienced in, uh, coming up with these answers, and we're not just coming up with these answers, but more importantly has seen a lot of other people answer the similar type of questions right because if someone has seen let's say if someone has seen hundreds of people answer these same questions that you're trying to answer, they're gonna be able to do a much better job of telling you like whether your answers actually stand out or not right and so I think you know for those of you who um are kind of struggling uh with some of these things that we talked about, whether it's you know, learning how to network or, you know, learning the technicals, or most importantly, really nailing down your behaviorals in your story. Um, then, you know, I want to encourage you guys to reach out and schedule a call with our team. Um, we offer these free strategy sessions uh, where we'll hop on a call with you for about an hour. We'll learn more about your situation, talk about your recruiting process. What are your goals? What are your challenges? And then, you know, depending on kind of what you're trying to do and, whether we think we can actually help you with those challenges um, we might invite you uh, to work with us or if not, um, cause sometimes, you know, it's not the best fit, uh, which is totally cool too. We'll still just give you some advice on what we think we would do if we were in your shoes. Right? So if you guys are interested in doing that, um, you can schedule this free strategy session with us at mastermind.com slash apply um, the street in the URL is abbreviated to ST. So it's wall ST com slash apply. And, uh, like I said, the call is totally free. There's no obligation. And, uh, you know, we'll just, uh, help you as much as we can. And if it's a good fit, you know, we can take that next step together and hopefully get you a similar outcome. Um, like what Andy was able to do. So, Um, With that, Andy, I do want to thank you again um, for taking the time to just speak with us and kind of share some of your um, advice on the recruiting process as a whole. And of course, congratulate you again on uh, the phenomenal outcome that you were able to get. Um, Obviously, you know, getting an offer from Goldman Sachs is no easy feat. And uh, at the same time, you definitely put in the work. And so 100%, well-deserved. And, uh, I can't wait to see all the success, uh, that you're able to achieve ahead of you, uh, both this, uh, this next summer and beyond.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for all the help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that'll be it for, um, this, today's episode. And, uh, thank you guys for tuning in and, uh, we'll be back again with more of these, uh, in the near future. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye.